What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Actually recording the vision. <laughs> Doofus snafu. Uh, you know, we're always honest with our listeners. We always want to be honest. I, you know, I cannot, uh, I cannot tell a lie, as George Washington apparently said um, when he was doing his podcast. Uh, when George Washington was on Joe Rogan, he said, I cannot tell a lie. And um, we, we have already... Uh, I can't say we recorded. We've already done about, I don't know, five minutes of the show um, before I realized I had not hit the record button. And in five plus years, I've never done that. So the record button is now in action, depressed. Yeah, it's depressed, all right. And uh, so that's why you're hearing the show. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I confess, Philip Shane, documentary filmmaker. And that's why, you know, I don't know. I'm out of my league with this audio business. Um, Glad to have you here. Also with us, Gabby Panicia from Rockefeller University, where she is a virologist. Uh, how 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 was uh, did you have did did Halloween transform the lab in any way? We just had Halloween. Minimally. I really yeah. wish like more people dressed up in some way. I mean, granted, there are the limits of lab safety, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but the only people who really dressed up were the uh, RAs. Uh, and like the undergrads in our lab, and they all went as essentially nucleotides, so the A, T, Cs, Gs, and then Us. <laughs> oh, that's pretty uh, good. So depending on depending on how you remix them, they were either DNA or RNA. Uh, <laughs> but it was just very funny because at first I saw one of them, and she just had like a big like C on her shirt and like on a sweater, and I thought it was a college <laughs> shirt. Like I thought like mm -hmm. you know like Colorado has like its state flag is just like the really big like C or something like that. Like mm -hmm. I kind of just thought like oh it's some sort of state college logo, and then I see the other ones with different letters. I'm like oh my god. <laughs> once they like gathered together for a group photo, that I finally realized what they were. That's really good. Yeah, that's good. Team costumes are great. Mm -hmm. Team costumes are great. Uh, also with us, um, Professor Matthew Stanley historian of science at New York University. And uh, were, there any, uh, were there any Halloween hijinks in your classroom? No, quite disappointing, actually. Oh. I even gave the yeah. students explicit permission and nothing. Right. They could have dressed up as... Uh, if you were to dress up as, let's say, your favorite moment or person in the history of science, what would that be? Oh, um, I'd dress up as Newton and carry around a long dagger that I would then s pretend to stick in my eye, um, <laughs> as he, he famously did in one of his self-experiments. That's pretty good. That is a, that's a deep cut, as mm -hmm. we might so say. So to speak. Yeah, that's right. Very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. <laughs> that's very good. Um, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Suzanne, our newest listener, who sent in our... Um, episode suggestion uh, last week, which was, uh, Suzanne asked, what the if cars did not have horns? So if you had no way to beep at somebody, uh, if you live in New York, as Suzanne does in Brooklyn, 
uh, you hear horns all the time. And so if you didn't hear that episode, I do encourage you to go back and listen to a previous episode. By the way, you can listen to all our episodes on our website, whattheif.com. Um, Suzanne enjoyed our replies. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that uh, premise. And um, she asked uh, only one follow-up question, which is, uh, might there be additional senses? So we, 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 we spoke mostly of sight. Uh, we talked about, well, if you didn't have a horn, then you'd, maybe you'd put up a, a big sign or you'd project messages onto the other person's windshield to say, you know, back up, buddy. Um, but uh, if you were to employ, let's say, some other senses, like uh, what might you, what if, uh, here's, here's one we didn't do, the sense of taste. What if the sense of taste were employed instead of a horn? What would you do? I wouldn't. So I'd, I'd set up a, a little system that would dispense candies in people's cars. Um, <laughs> so when um, you're pleased with something they did, you'd push a button and they would get like a Kit Kat. Um, and if they do something <laughs> you don't like, you push the button and they get, I don't know, Swedish fish or candy corn or some slightly <laughs> unpleasant thing. That's very good. I like that idea of po we've never thought of positive reinforcement in terms of, you know, uh, we have the carrot and the stick. Mm -hmm. um, so that's very good. Um, Gabby, if you, uh, if you wanted to use the sense of touch, I think you had a good idea. What, what would you do with the sense of, if you had to, uh, instead of a horn, you had to use your sense of touch somehow. How much? Oh, yeah, get out of the car and punch the other guy. <laughs> I think that adequately uses the sense of touch. <laughs> That's right. So you get a Kit Kat if you're good. If you stay, you know, the proper distance behind somebody and you don't tailgate, you get a Kit Kat. And uh, if you ride behind uh, Gabby, you're going to get punched in the face. So I think that, if you do uh, something mean, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Um, so thank you, uh, thank you again, Suzanne. If you are listening and you are a new, uh, if you're a new listener or an old listener or a young listener or anything in between, uh, send in your ideas we will run with them uh just go to whattheif.com click contact and shoot us a note what would you like to see if you ask yourself what the if uh or you don't even you know you don't have to know whether it's a good idea or not well <laughs> let us decide uh, because we we go with good and bad ideas send them all also if you're not a patreon supporter go to patreon.com slash what the if and find out how you can become a member and you get all kinds of bonus content, which we'll talk about more at the end of the show. So um, jumping to uh, uh, this week's if. This week's if comes uh, in, in a format that we, we've been doing a lot recently, which I find super fun, and that is uh, pulling uh, something out of the news. Uh, we get vast amounts of news that flood through the What the If Science Worldwide Research Corporation and uh, Every, I was going to say every once in a while. In fact, very often, <laughs> bizarre, interesting stories float to the top. That's how we do it, by the way. It's kind of a weird, uh, fluid dynamics mm -hmm. uh, thing that, that determines what floats to the top. Um, and uh, uh, Matt, if you could help people who are this newest, let's say that there's a new listener this week who is uh, already confused. There's, um, there's Kit Kats popping out of their iPod. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what's, this what's is where we change up the world uh, to suit our whims. Um, we uh, uh, alter something about reality or the world in which we uh, imagine we are living in into one that more suits um, our, our whims and desires. Um, sometimes uh, we make a better world. Sometimes we destroy everything. Um, usually we learn some science along the way. That's right. We learned some science. We, we, learned, we learned some science. Um, 
This news story I'm pulling from, uh, it was reported uh, far and wide, but uh, I'm pulling it here from a website called sciencealert.com. And this is a headline from which we are going to do a thought experiment. We're going to derive it from this news story. So here's the background context. There's an article uh, in the physics section of Science Alert. And the headline is, Asteroids may be hiding never-seen elements from beyond the periodic table. And then there's a picture of uh, uh, an asteroid, uh, and it says, artist's impression of metallic asteroid, Psyche. Now, I think the, the thing we're actually going to talk about here is a different asteroid, but uh, just imagine a really cool floating rock with gigantic craters in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the article, uh, which is by Michelle Starr, says the densest naturally occurring element on the periodic table is the metal osmium. At uh, room temperature, it forms a solid with a density of 22.59 grams per cubic centimeter, nearly twice as dense as the Earth's inner core, and almost as dense as the core of Jupiter. But there are some objects out there in the solar system that seem to be way more dense than osmium. Not even planetary cores, but asteroids, which don't have the mass to compress materials into an ultra-dense state. And this has led scientists to speculate that there are naturally occurring stable elements out there beyond the periodic table, even beyond the unstable radioactive super-heavy elements between atomic numbers 105 and 118, which have only ever been observed in laboratory settings. Um, uh, there's a, uh, just going to jump here, just one little section here. Um, there's an asteroid, um, yes, because these heavy, uh, heavier elements are expected to be denser, they could explain peculiar observations involving the asteroid named 33 Polyhemia, a rock in the asteroid belt that measures roughly 50 to 60 kilometers Uh, around 30 to 36 miles across. One measurement has derived a density for 33 polyhemia of 75.28 grams per cubic centimeter, classifying it as a potential compact ultra-dense object. All right. So I think our if this week, what what would you say? I think think our if this week is what if this is real? Uh, Yeah, that's right. What if there were uh, ultra-dense trans-periodic elements um, stuck in a rock zooming around. Uh, Whoa. So, Gabby, I'm about to play the fanfare so people know what to do, but if you could just remind people what's the safety protocols as we're about to start the thought experiment. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, since we usually in some way break the universe, we advise all of our listeners to buckle up, put your helmets <laughs> on, uh, maybe get near bunkers, et cetera, et cetera, whatever precautions you feel appropriate for what it sounds like we're getting into this week. Indeed. And so we ask, what the if? Ultra dense. What was it, Matt? Trans. Ultra dense trans periodic elements, which was my nickname in college. <laughs> <laughs> What if they exist? What if ultra-dense trans-periodic elements exist in the universe, perhaps even in an asteroid in our very own solar system? Super heavy metal. 
Uh, I just had to get that pun in real quick before somebody else stole it from me. Matt, what the heck is going on? What is this? What does this? What does this mean? Half of what I read, I, I I'm not exactly sure what that meant. Right. So this is. Um, I mean, I guess the first thing we need to think about is is how you measure the density of. Uh, a random rock in the solar system. Um, and it turns out to be a little tricky. So when we um, weigh something here on Earth, what we're what you're really doing um, when you step on the scale is you're measuring the Earth's gravitational pull on you. Um, uh, and if you want to know how you know, heavy the, your badger is, you hold the badger out and you drop the badger and you watch to uh, see uh, how much force the, the Earth's gravity pulls on it. And that lets, essentially, that lets you weigh the Earth. Um, that's probably mm. the right way to think about it. Um, but generally, if you want to know the, the mass of something, um, you uh, wait to see what effect its gravity has on something else. Um, so, uh, for instance, um, we know the mass of Mars because we can watch its gravitational effect on its moons. So by watching its moons go around, you do some calculations, you say it weighs this much. Um, but then if you want to know the mass of Venus, um, this is more complicated because Venus does not have a moon. So you can't directly watch its gravitational influence on something. Um, so th this is this is a kind of a weird thing. So you watch to see, um, you know, Venus's period around the sun, um, which is like mm, three quarters of a year, if I remember right. I have to look it up. Um, and then you watch uh, the orbit of everything else in the solar system, and you watch for uh, a a common nudge with that same period of time. Does that make sense? A common no. Here, let me, common let me nudge. get the right number so I'm not just okay. uh, waving my hands here. Um, <laughs> 225 days. So Venus goes around the sun every 225 days. Um, right. And then you watch, say, um, uh, Mars's orbit. And there's all kinds of, you know, Mars goes around a certain amount of time. But you'll, if you watch carefully, you'll see every 225 days, it nudges a little bit towards Venus. Ah. Um, and then you measure how much of a nudge that is. And you say that since that nudge is happening um, in synchrony with Venus's orbit, that must be due to Venus's gravity. Wow. Um, and then by measuring how much that nudge is, you say Venus must mass this much stuff. And that must be an incredibly tiny it is Movement. an incredibly difficult thing um, yeah. because the distances are large and the relative masses tend to be all over the place. Um, yeah. So like we still don't have a really good estimate of Mercury's mass um, for mm. this reason because wow. it's so small and so far from the other planets um, that it's quite hard to, to measure these nudges. So for um, an asteroid, it's the same kind of problem. Um, you have to watch for its nudge on something else. Um, but it's, you know, even a big asteroid is a tiny fraction of a planet. So it's not going to nudge Mars's orbit enough. So typically what you do is you wait until it gets close to another asteroid and, and watch very closely uh, right. to see how much that other asteroid gets nudged. Um, but as you pointed out, this is a, a very small effect and you have to, um, cancel out 
all the other things going on in the solar system. So you need to make yeah. sure that the nudge you see isn't from Jupiter and it's not from Venus and it's not from, um, I was going to make some unkind joke about a, a large person, but I will pass. Um, <laughs> uh, but basically anything in the solar system could be nudging that asteroid. So uh, it takes a lot of really careful work um, to make sure that what you're seeing is actually the gravity from the asteroid you're interested in. Right. So actually, for instance, just to help people visualize, perhaps, um, we're used to seeing uh, a map of the solar system that shows the orbits of the planets looking like perfect circles. Mm -hmm. And uh, what you're saying is actually the actual path is those circles have tiny little wiggles in them. Yep. So you can see that when, when Venus is lined up with, uh, when it's at its closest approach to Mars, as it goes, as Venus goes around in its track, um, that Mars and Venus, I suppose, both right move towards each other. Some tiny, mm -hmm. yep, exactly, uh, tiny right. amount, tiny amount, incredible. Um, so we've looked is, is so we've looked at this asteroid, mm -hmm. polyheme thirty three polyhemia, which right. is a great great name for an asteroid, uh -huh. um, and we see something that can't be explained well so we 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 looked at our charts and we saw that it was going to be getting close to another asteroid at a particular time and then we watched it and the other asteroid very carefully and then um looked at the wiggles that resulted as they got close and then did the math and said okay so polyhemia um uh, must have a mass of i'm just gonna make a put number um yeah one million tons Mm. Uh, and then we say, okay, that's, that's a, that's an interesting mass. And we can, we know how big polyhemia is because we can just look at it on the sky. Um, and then we calculate the density, right? Which is how much mass per unit volume. Um, uh, so, um, you know, some things are dense, like steel, which is a lot of mass in a small area. Some mm -hmm. things are not dense, um, like Twinkies, which have not much mass <laughs> in a certain density. Um, right. Some people are dense. Um, uh, Especially those who eat Twinkies. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, um, uh, but different elements have different natural densities. So by looking at the density of something, you can figure out... Um, uh, you can make a good guess at what it's made of. So, for instance, we know that Jupiter is um, uh, gaseous uh, because um, uh, we can measure it. So we can measure its mass, and we can figure out how big it is. So we can measure its density. Um, so, uh, usually, when you calculate an asteroid's density, you get um, one of two general results. Um, one is a similar density to um, rock. So like mm. if you just go out on the street and you pick up a rock, um, that's, there's a rough typical density of that. Um, and th so those are the stony asteroids. And then the other general category is you get a density pretty similar to metal. Um, so those are the metallic asteroids. And mostly mm. those are the two categories and they're pretty similar uh, within each right. category. But this one is weird. So if you do the, the calculation for polyhymnia, um, you get a density more than any known metal mm. right mm. um so that's i don't know surprising unsettling disturbing um so so if you for instance uh, i once had the great fortune to uh get to uh visit uh neil degrasse tyson and uh 
we interviewed him for the Einstein documentary that you are also in, eh? mm-hmm. for the History Channel. And uh, anyway, we, we went to meet him in his office. And uh, in his office, in his desk drawer, <laughs> he keeps a chunk of the uh, asteroid that made Meteor Crater in Arizona. So he has uh, a piece, and uh, he pulls it out, and uh, he let everybody, you know, hold it, and it was shockingly heavy. Nice. You know, the, the, it was about as big as it. You know, it was a little bit larger than your palm. It was a big, I believe, sort of reddish. I think it might have been iron. Is that me? I, I, I forget. Um, exactly, yeah, it would probably be iron. Yeah. It's probably iron. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was it was super. You 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 know, it looked like a rock, and you know, you hold it, and it was like super heavy. And if you've ever held a giant chunk of lead. You know that strange feeling, or perhaps mm-hmm. a bowling ball. There are certain things that just are like much heavier than you expect. So what you're saying is, if we had the good fortune to be able, if Neil deGrasse Tyson kept a piece of 33 polyhemia mm-hmm. in his desk, sure. it would be even heavier. In fact, quite a bit heavier, right? That's right. Yeah. So density is a weird thing because it's not quite the same as weight. You know, this is the I right. remember the old thing say, well, which weighs more, a ton of feathers or a ton of rocks or something, right? And uh-huh. um, and that's and your your intuition is to say, well, the ton of rocks is heavier, but of course, a ton is a ton. Um, but the ton of rocks would be heavy, would be harder to carry because density with all that ma- all that weight packed in one spot that's that's challenging to carry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, if you've ever carried anything, say like a block of lead or something, um, it's actually a very strange. Uh, experience. And there's actually like, um, uh, there's uh, pictures from the Trinity test of the first atomic bomb of the, the uh. person carrying the, um, your, uh, the plutonium core up to the, um, uh, up to the, the bomb itself. And the core isn't very big. It's like the size of a grapefruit. But in the picture, you see the guys like leaning over to one side and the muscles in his arm are straining. And that's just because uh-huh. plutonium is such a fantastically heavy, or a fantastically dense material um, uh-huh. that it's very hard to carry, even though the core is like 30 pounds, which is not an outrageous size. Um, uh, but uh, it's so dense that it's hard to carry. Ah, oh, very interesting, very interesting. So, um, Gabby, do you have any any experience with odd dense density materials? Uh, not personally. Well, I mean, a little bit personally, but the thing that I'm mostly thinking of is there's a lot of these videos on YouTube of people monkeying around with tungsten cubes. Uh, oh, tungsten uh, is another like famously dense metal where uh, just a small amount of it is is so heavy or at least so much heavier than you expect. So you pass somebody like this, you know, little cube that's maybe like four inches by four inches and you struggle to hold it. Yeah. Um, I've seen similar things of people monkeying around with um, a tungsten D20 that you can buy. <laughs> a D20 for the very, I guess, impactful rolls. But they What's a D20? Oh, the, the dice, a 20-sided dice. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, like you use mostly for like Dungeons and Dragons, I think. Yeah, um, that's awesome. So somebody like dropped it and it went clear through like a snack container, like one of those plastic containers, <laughs> pretzels. Because uh, they are like, you know, they're so dense, they're little wrecking walls. Like, you know, you just drop it from a very small height and it's got so much more force than you'd expect. A little wrecking ball, actually, that's a good example too, you know. So in other words, people can envision a wrecking ball. Right. That obviously is some, uh, is that steel, I'm guessing? um yeah probably because they're big enough that it would be super expensive to build it out of tungsten or something um Mm -hmm. but uh yes i didn't know about the tungsten 
videos. That's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So for instance, they used to build um, um, like uh, anti-tank bullets for cannons out of things like tungsten because it was highly, extremely dense. Um, Uh So it smashes right through armor and things like that. And nowadays we make it out of um, depleted uranium for the same kind of reason is you want the heaviest thing you can to smash through something else. Uh, Oh, wow. I didn't know they were depleted uranium shells. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Me neither. That's pretty metal. Uh, but um, (laughs) if I remember correctly in the expanse, they, they fire like tungsten rounds. Uh, oh the, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, um, uh, yeah, so basically, if you want to destroy something, um, you get this. this. Is why bullets are, were traditionally made out of lead because that was the the densest, easily available metal for a long period of time. Uh, right, right, right. So I, I uh, also want to give a shout out to, in addition to Science Alert, where I got this news story from. I actually think I, I first heard about this story. Um, from a fantastic YouTube channel that I watch religiously um, with a, uh, a guy named uh, Anton Petrov, um, who does just wonderful, uh, incredibly detailed, incredibly smart uh, astronomy news stories and other science-related stories, mostly astronomy, on YouTube, Anton Petrov. And he talked about this. And um, he, he said, uh, it's kind of funny that some people have been referring to this, you know, if this metal, if, if, this asteroid actually is made of this uh, never-before-seen ultra-dense uh, uh, metal that uh, they were calling it unobtainium uh, <laughs> with, with yep. reference to uh, Avatar, the movie Avatar. Uh, where there's, uh, now, the unobtainium in Avatar is not, has nothing to do with density, right? It's something to do with energy. Uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's literally just a, a hand-waving thing. Right, um, right. But I guess there there is an important connection between density and energy, though. And I guess I mentioned plutonium uh, a moment ago. Is uh-huh. that um, what makes something what makes a given material dense or not is how many protons and neutrons are crammed into the nucleus. So, at mm-hmm. the the top gentle part of the periodic table, you get nice atoms like hydrogen and carbon um, that have just a few protons and neutrons packed together. And that's why those elements are not dense. They're easy to carry, right? It's easy to carry a pocket full of carbon. Um, uh, And then as you go down the periodic table, you get more protons and more neutrons packed in. So it gets denser and denser, but the nuclei also get more unstable the more protons and neutrons you mm-hmm. pack in there. So uh, when you get to a certain point in the periodic table, say around uranium, um, the nuclei get unstable enough that if you poke them, um, they'll split and release a lot of energy. Um, and some of the really heavy elements um, at the way at the bottom of the periodic table are so unstable, they just poke themselves um, and will spontaneously disintegrate. So um, the bottom bits of the periodic table are all artificial elements that we've made in the lab by smashing protons and neutrons together until we get something really big. So we get weird shit like Californium. Um, But then it's so it's super dense, but it's also so unstable that it lasts for a tiny fraction of a second and vanishes. Mm. Um, So no one has ever had a pocket full of Californium. Um, Ah, ah. So, um, yeah, so our, yeah. so the thing we're pondering here is if the, if our density measurements are correct on polyhymnia, then, um, we're past that point on the periodic table, right? It must be, it must be made of things that are so dense. They're beyond anything we have seen or made in the lab. 
Ah, so what you're saying is there's a point where if you continue to add, what is it, protons and neutrons Mm -hmm. into a single nucleus, that it becomes stable again. This is um, this is a speculative thing. Um, some people uh, talk uh, about the the because we I should say we don't really understand the strong nuclear force which keeps nuclei together. Um, but it's been um, suggested there is a so-called island of stability, maybe around atomic number one hundred thirty or so. Um, but we can't make it in the lab, so we don't actually know. Um, wow. But that's been the the subject of much science fiction speculation over the years is that you could get these super heavy elements that might um, uh, that might be stable. So maybe polyhymnia is made of one of these. Um, it would be a material so how, totally different than anything we've experienced here on Earth. How would that material have been made? It would have um, to be in a uh, black hole or something? Tra- supernova, star. traditionally. So traditionally, supernova, right. the, uh, anything... Let's see here. First three elements, hydrogen, helium, and lithium, are all made in the aftermath of the Big Bang. Um, And then everything from um, there up through iron gets cooked in the middle of stars. So basically, that's everything that you're made of. Um, So you and your pet badger um, were all made of material cooked inside a star. Um, As Carl Sagan used to say, we are all stardust. Um, And then everything beyond that um, is made in a supernova. Um, so a gigantic explosion. Um, so if you're wearing a gold ring, um, the gold in that was formed in a supernova um, <sighs> and spit out of a star. So anything um, beyond we are, we, that, are yeah. we are made of star spit. Star spit, yes, that's right. <laughs> the crud left behind. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this super heavy element must have been made in a supernova. Um, uh, in some tiny proportion and something weird. There's some, we need a good reason for never having seen it before. Right. And, and it all somehow accumulated somewhere too, mm-hmm. right? In other words, it, so could polyhemia, uh, could it have um, been part of, it must, I'm going to guess, it most likely would have been part of some larger super dense object that it broke off, right? Um, well, I guess that would be another possibility. I hadn't really thought about if you take a neutron star or something and, and smash it apart. Um, yeah. You might get some strange things there. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Actually, I've never really thought yeah. about neutron stars getting broken up. I don't know if that's, That'd be cool. that's a thing. But So the big question, though, is suppose we have it. What are we going to do with this? So we go out and we... Elon Musk, no doubt, has probably already got a sports car with a mannequin in it. Uh, ready to launch head and that way. Uh, head that way. Yeah. Because yeah. he wants it. What's he going to do with it when he gets it? I don't know. I mean, Gabby, what would you do if you had a super heavy element denser than anything else on the planet? Uh, what would I do or what would Elon Musk do? Because he's going to oh. put a big X on it. <laughs> well, he'll um, tweet about it. He'll, he'll tweet about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think obviously there's going to be a lot of like initial tests of what this thing's properties are. Um, is it radioactive, for example? Like, because it's yeah, stable, right. it probably might not be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, like, you know, I'm kind of curious about, like, yeah, this is where, like, I'm not exactly a chemist, so I'm sure the chemists and, like, the physicists, like, that sort of, like, intersection of, like, the physical chemists, like, will have a million and one tests they want to do on this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, there's also a part of me too that's like, well, what would you build with it? Because it's so fantastically dense mm-hmm. that the only thing I can think of is like slightly less bulky, like radiation shielding. Like then you don't mm-hmm. need six feet of lead. Then you can use one feet of whatever this space mm-hmm. rock is and kind of compress the space that you need for these sort of operations. But at the mm-hmm. same time, actually, isn't there that whole thing with... um? With lead, where they only get the lead that's used in physics labs only comes from like sunken Roman ships because all other lead now is like slightly radioactive because of fallout. Yeah, Matt, you're nodding, so you could probably tell this story. (laughs) No, I've I've encountered some of this lead actually. Um, Yeah, this is kind of a weird thing to think about, but basically, the entire surface of the Earth. Um, has a fine layer of radioactive material on it from decades of radioactive testing. Um, and for the most part, it doesn't matter. You know, it's it's a, a tiny amount. But if you're doing sensitive measurements in a lab, um, it actually matters whether or not there's a single atom of, of cesium on your, your block of lead. Um, so lead is usually used for radiation shielding for these sorts of really sensitive experiments. So if your lead is slightly radioactive, then your experiment is off. So... Um, you need chunks of lead that were not exposed to um, any decades <laughs> of, of radioactive exposure. Um, wow. So the best bet for that turns out to be um, shipwrecks on the bottom of the ocean. Um, and then as, because they've been protected from the, the radiation by, um, uh, by the ocean. Uh, so as soon as it comes up, it starts gathering radioactive uh, material from the atmosphere. Um, so yeah, so let's see here. So, um, yeah, Roman shipwrecks because they did a lot with lead and also, um, Spanish shipwrecks in the Atlantic, um, for the same, for the same. Wow. They were into that. So these are extremely expensive as you might imagine, because there's not a whole lot there. Um, and I remember once I, um, the lab I used to work at, uh, had some of these for this purpose. And I, I walked into a room once and the room was totally empty, um, except for a wooden pallet and a single block of lead like eight inches wide just <laughs> sitting in the middle and i'm like what <laughs> why why does this get a whole room to itself um and they're like that is the most expensive block of lead you will ever encounter i can't remember it was like two hundred thousand dollars or something for this block of wow. lead, um because it was so rare um uh, it was kind of like under guard it was it was very cool stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool um if we could uh suppose we could camp out on this asteroid would there be anything special we could do because we are now sitting on this mm-hmm. 36-mile diameter? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, that's for those good. keeping track, that's three times the... Uh, Manhattan is about 12, for those of us in New York, Manhattan is about 12 miles long. This is a diameter three times the size of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And then all the way around the circle. That's a, that's a big chunk of... Yeah, so that's, I mean, so a normal 36 mile wide asteroid made out of rock or something like that um, would not have very strong gravity. So you could Mm. like jump off of that asteroid and put yourself into orbit. Um, So super heavy elements would give much more intense gravity. So you might be able to get Earth like gravity on a relatively small asteroid. Um, So that could be kind of cool for space colonization. uh, because lack of gravity is one of the big problems for living in space, we suspect, mm-hmm. right? We don't actually know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be pretty nifty, actually, if you could line the, the bottom of your space colony 
um, with the super heavy element, then you get some some artificial gravity from that. Or as Gabby pointed out, uh, radiation shielding is also pretty important. Um, so keeping yeah. people alive on deep space colonies, um, protecting them from radiation is really hard. Um, and this is one of the big challenges of like sending even astronauts to, to Mars is if there's a solar flare while they're traveling, then they're going to get cooked by the, the solar radiation. Um, so you need some place for them to shelter during uh, the during the solar flare. And um, so the you just need a really dense material to catch all that radiation. But you can't have a lead lined spacecraft because it would be insanely heavy. Um, so this problem is not really solved yet. Um, so maybe a super dense element would, would make that a little easier because then we can line it, um, with much less stuff. It's kind of fascinating to think that because we found some asteroid with this large amount of super dense material that allowed us to start building spaceships of a, of a kind we didn't before. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. I think that would be, um, that would be a pretty, actually, Gabby, that might be a good, um, premise for a, a story. Yeah, um, we can't figure Ooh. out space colonization until we get this super heavy asteroid. And then we've got and then there's a finite amount of it. Right. We have one asteroid's worth of this super exotic material that we can use to make spacecraft and space colonies and such like that. And I don't know, it might be interesting to think about what what humans would do with a hyper precious material mm -hmm. like that. That's totally irreplaceable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we'd wait. We'd waste it as fast as possible. Oh yeah. We'd make a giant X, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> also, too, you know, if if it's something that we need then to make the next generation of spaceships or whatever, I feel like a lot of that first generation is going to go run off and see if we can find some more. Oh, that yeah, well, and that yeah. would be a good investment, actually. Yeah, that might be worth yeah. it. Um, and there's also, <laughs> I should say, there's there's some sort of precedent for this and in human history too. So before, so um, let's see here, most material like iron is not found on the surface of the earth in metallic form. It's, it's in um, rocks, right? It's, it's bound up with mm -hmm. oxygen and other elements. So you have to smelt it. Basically you have to make a really hot furnace and then you chuck your iron ore into it like hematite mm -hmm. or something like that. And then after a little while, um, the heat breaks down the chemical compounds and then you have your metal that you can uh, work with that. Um, but it takes a long time before humans figure out how to do that because that's actually a fairly complicated process. So before that, um, the only source of um, iron on the surface of the earth was meteors. Um, so you actually had to wait for a chunk of iron to fall from the sky. Wow. And then you would forge that into your knives or your swords or something like that. Um, wow. so there, so for a long period of time, there was only a certain amount of workable iron on the surface of the earth. And if you were lucky enough to have one of those chunks, then wow. life was good. Right. Um, interesting. So, uh, it reminds me of in game of Thrones, for instance, they had Valerian steel, mm -hmm. this some kind of super or in, in the, in the, um, Mandalorian, what is it called? Beskar? Beskar. Yeah, mm -hmm. Beskar, right? Another mm -hmm. basically these super strong, uh, super uh, dense. Uh, I don't know if it's super dense, but super strong for some reason material. So um, I could certainly see, uh, you know, polyhemia swords being, you know. Oh, and that's a pretty kick-ass name too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Polyhemia steel. Yeah. When yeah. I'm executed, I would like it to be with a polyhemia sword. Yeah. <laughs> you guys could arrange for that. Uh, the uh, uh, on more peaceful terms, um, I could imagine polyhemia being turned into a scientific laboratory or a physics lab. In other words, you could drill into it mm -hmm. 
it could be a place to put, uh, you know, you're looking for radiation shielding. Um, you could put yeah, actually, that would be um, if we could get a place totally shielded from radiation and light and radio waves, um, that would yeah. be a good place, like for a gravity wave observatory, too. Though I was thinking about how, how drilling into that would go that would be because it is <laughs> oh, so right. extremely dense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you um, have to use it. You have to use drill bits made out of its own. Metal, I suppose. Um, I don't know if that would work. This would be a, a good real question. trick. Um, probably, well, it's metal, so it'll melt at some point. So we could probably drill into it with uh, lasers or plasma torches. But that's. But this is an interesting question. It's one of these, um, uh, when you have an indestructible material, how do you make anything out of it? Because you need a tool slightly stronger than it. Um, to, right. Hmm. So unlike most of the asteroids that we find, it probably is less likely to be covered in, in um, alien graffiti. You know, we find all these other asteroids that say like, you know, Zorblox was here. Mm-hmm. And things like I that. don't know uh, if I was, if I was a graffiti artist, I think I might go for the most indestructible thing possible. Um, yeah. So people can't wreck my work. Um, yeah, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You'd have, to, it would be rare. In other words, the other, the cheaper asteroids are just going to be coated in uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. graffiti right um so uh lastly i th- i could imagine that given that uh, in in my more um cynical uh, mode i might say that since humans have an extraordinary ability to waste things i think <laughs> the, the ultimate waste would be polyhemia is just carved up and and uh into wrecking balls you know it's just like the wrecking ball industry takes off um, people just say we have yeah, to use it because we can now that know? could be i mean i i unfortunately i my my hyper cynical take on this would be um each fist-sized chunk of it would cost you know, 50 billion dollars or something ah. um so the only people who could afford it um are people with 50 billion dollars to to waste so yeah. it'll yeah. just be this status symbol where Jeff Bezos has a chunk of it on his dining room table. Yeah, um, no, he'll build a yacht out of it. That's right, and it plummets <laughs> to the bottom of the ocean instantly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that'd be funny. <coughs> Gabby, what would Gabby? What would you do with uh, your chunk of polyhemia? Ah, uh, you know, since I don't really have any, you know, I'm gonna. I have an immediate. I don't have any immediate thoughts about how to make humanity better with a chunk of this thing. Right. Uh, so I'll take a chunk of it and paint it like a baseball, and then yeah. see, like, like do one of those old witch things where it's like, I bet you can't throw this farther than I can, <laughs> and I throw a regular baseball, and I <coughs> yeah. give them that, and then watch them fail and just sort of profit. That's yeah, all. that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> pr- for prank value, that's going mm-hmm. to be very high. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, I think what happened was an unfortunate mistiming that um, had polyhemia been discovered earlier in the age where we still used paper a lot, then obviously these would be the most fantastic paperweights. They'd be the smallest, most effective paperweights. Oh, that'd be good. oh I uh, thought you were going to say like a rock, paper, scissors kind of thing. It's the oh, ultimate yeah, rock better. for that. Yeah, rock, paper, scissors, polyhemia. Um, but actually, I should say uh, along these lines, there's an anecdote from um, Los Alamos, you know, the Manhattan Project during World War II, where mm-hmm. um, uh, they, they were experimenting a lot with really heavy 
materials because they were working with large amounts of radioactive stuff kind of for the first time ever. Um, mm. And at one point, uh, it was thought that gold might be a good neutron reflector because it's, really, it's, it's fairly um, dense. Um, and it turns out it was worthless for that purpose. Um, but they had already ordered like a couple of... <laughs> cubic feet of gold um <laughs> so they actually used it as a doorstop um and as the story goes i have never checked the veracity of this story um yeah. when new people they would set it up at like the front door for orientation so when new people came in they would look down and see this chunk of gold sitting on the ground <laughs> and then and people would say that's the kind of stuff we're doing here Right. Is that um, this project is so crazy that we have millions of dollars worth of gold just sitting on the ground as a doorstop. <laughs> turning. So instead of turning swords into plowshares, we're turning gold into doorstops. Gold. Into That's, fantastic. Doorstops. That's fantastic. That's lesser known part of uh, the Bible. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you. Thank you both. Uh, and Matt, uh, especially for uh, taking us on this journey to, uh, Polyhemier. I'll just add that uh, here's one paragraph, one sentence from the article. An outlier um, uh, is possible that, uh, sorry, an outlier result is it's possible that this uh, this measurement that says polyhemia is this dense may be an erroneous measurement. And that is always the case. But uh, I don't think so. I think, I think it's going to go all the way. This is going all the way to the moon, for sure. <laughs> or all the way to Gabby's witch hut. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Science Alert, for this story. And again, another shout out to Anton Petrov um, for this. Uh, Gabby, do you have anything you want to plug this week that's coming up? Oh, I think I am still unplugged. <laughs> still unplugged. Still acoustic. Matt, how about you? Um, have, you gone, have you gone electric yet? Electric. <laughs> Um, and I'm all radioactive. Um, next weekend is the History of Science Society annual meeting in Portland. Um, if you want to come by and talk History of Science, um, I'll be there. Oh, wow. In Portland? Uh, uh, Portland, Oregon. Oregon. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's very good. Um, I will be at, uh, it's still a little ways away, but I will be at the uh, World Congress of Science and Factual Producers. Um. Uh, and that's uh, that's in Seattle, uh, November 28th through December 1st. I will be speaking. I'm not sure which day I'm speaking, but uh, I will be on a panel talking about artificial intelligence. That's exciting. Uh, and, and how filmmakers are using it. So, uh, I don't yeah, know if I ever produced the, a fact, actually. I know. I know. Yeah, you've probably well. produced facts, but I don't think I have. Uh, I've produced observations. I don't know if I've produced facts, per hmm. se. <laughs> I have used a fax machine before. That, that was an old thing. Um, thank God we don't have those around anymore. That is, that is a technology that's certainly no no nostalgia for that. No. Um, uh, a big thank you always goes to our Patreon supporters. Uh, Patreon.com. If you're unfamiliar, if you've heard me mention this a bunch of times and you have not looked at patreon.com i suggest you do it uh patreon actually patreon has just done a whole kind of cool revamp of their website and their app there's a lot of new features on there um in fact those of you who are patreon supporters if you haven't looked at the app in a little while go check it out there's all kinds of new things like you can we uh patreon supporters can now chat to each other you can send messages to each other and 
we can post all kinds of new materials. I'm going to look into that, all kind of different things we can start adding. But every week we do a bonus show called The Post Show uh, that only Patreon supporters get to listen to. And uh, we will con- we continue the uh, exploration of the thought experiment that we were running. And we also talk about other stuff that's going on in the secret worlds of uh, Matt and Gabby's uh, lifestyles um, of the rich and famous. And uh, do check that out, patreon.com slash what the if. Uh, Gabby, would you help us uh, now uh, get ready for the closing ceremonies? What do, why do we do this? Yeah, well, we have sort of proceeded to generally tweak reality, and so we need some way to set it right. Uh, So as we are existing on the face of this new super, super dense asteroid, scratching our heads about how we're going to carve this thing up and ship it back to Earth, (laughs) we can't help but shout the name of the show together in unison. What the... Heavy metal. Thank you for the heavy metal edition. That was super fun. Um, thank you all for listening. And uh, send in your ideas. Whattheif.com slash contact. Give us your ideas for new shows. Give us your thoughts and experiment. Your thought, your thought, give us your own thought experiments. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>